what is the weirdest question you've ever gotten at a gig? Because you have an unconventional setup, and I'm sure you've gotten a lot of weird ones. Oh, my God. Hmm. Is that your guitar? Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> it is, I get a lot of, like, is that a bass? Or, like, is that a, viol- <laughs> is that a viola? Which I always say yes. Welcome to another CT versus audio interview. This episode, I'm talking with Laura Wolf. The song you heard in the intro is Cross Your Mind, and you can find it on Laura's new EP, Artifacts, which just came out uh, recently on the record label Whatever's Clever. You may also know Laura from her collaboration with Funny Bone Records and for her excellent string of demos that she released early in the COVID quarantine cycle. Uh, Laura's music feels a little bit like if you took a very soft piece of silk, you closed your eyes, and you just barely let it brush up against your arm. But, you know, with like a cello and with Ableton. But that's essentially what it's like. In this episode, I ask her about her EP artifacts, why she doesn't take breaks between songs when playing live, and who inspired her to first pick up and try a loop pedal. And of course, we conclude. <laughs> and of course, we conclude this interview uh, with a pop quiz about what else? People with the word "woof" in their name, because why not? Okay, here it is: my conversation with Laura Wolf. So my grandfather told me he said, "CT versus I have a fight going on in, in me." He said, it is taking place between two wolves. One is evil, it is angry, it is envious, sorrowful, full of regret, it's greedy, it's arrogant, self-pitying, it's guilty, it's filled with resentment, feels inferior, it lies, has false pride, it has a superiority complex and a huge ego. He paused for a moment and then he said, the other wolf, that wolf makes glitch pop music with a cello. Both wolves are fighting and the same fight is going on inside you and inside of every other person too. I took a moment to reflect on this and I looked in my grandfather's eyes and I asked, which wolf will win? And he gave a simple reply, the one that you purchased music from, from on Bandcamp. 
so <laughs> so welcome to the show, Laura Wolf. <laughs> that Thank was you. A very long way to get there. Uh, how are you doing, Laura? I'm doing great. Thanks so much <laughs> for having me here, and I'm doing even better after um, after that story. I, it was very inspirational. It's yeah, it's wild that my grandfather told me about it's that. It's crazy. Uh, what a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that turned me on to your music. Cool. Um, so, <laughs> uh, all right. So we are here with Laura Wolf. Uh, so first question for you: What is your favorite place in Connecticut? It doesn't have to be music related, although it certainly can be if that calls to you. Do you have a favorite favorite place? Okay, I knew you were gonna ask me this, and I've been kind of stressed out about it because there are so many places that. I love in Connecticut. Okay, you're trying to get on my good side, trying to butter me up. Um, I think I'll have to go with what is currently my favorite place, which is the Book Barn in Niantic. Connecticut. Um, because it's a bookstore, it's a used bookstore, which is yeah great. And then it's also outside. And I didn't even know it existed until about a year ago. Um, yeah. After growing up in Connecticut, I didn't. I just yeah. didn't even know about it. And that's Niantic. Um, I've never heard of this. It's so. Niantic. Oh my god, it's amazing! And there are cats everywhere. I'm really allergic to cats, but I love them. <laughs> so anytime I'm able to like exist around cats, but not have any responsibility, right. it's just great. Right? Did you say yeah. that it was outside? It's outside. There are parts of it. It's actually. It's actually in a di- bunch of different locations, um, but there is all within Niantic, all um, kind of along one road. Yeah. Um, but there is a section of it that is all outside. Like it's just a bunch of kind of like outside barns that have books in them. And it's just got that used bookstore vibe. And yeah, um, it's really cozy. And there are cats wandering around everywhere. It's awesome. Yeah. I really I discovered it, you know, during the pandemic. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, man, when things open up, I really want to like, get some people together and try yeah. to have a show here or something like that. It's just that a really, awesome. really cool vibe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah um, especially because like I, I can't think of the last time I've seen a show at Niantic. You know, and yeah, that might be my blind spot. I've never been to a show in Niantic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that so, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Because um, you're going to be playing at a bookstore coming up soon, right? I in am. December. Or is that? Or am I wrong about that? That's in. How did you know about that? Yeah, that's in December. How are, why are you excited about that? Why or why are you why are you surprised? Oh no, I, I just I just, you're just you know everything. I I don't think I had announced it yet. No, it was on your Bandcamp. That's it. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. The the person I'm touring with is way more put together gotcha. than I have and got all that stuff announced. Oh my gosh, yes, it is announced. Yeah. You're right. But I, I am going to edit that out just so it sounds like okay. I've done a lot of research. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Um, all right. So, uh, second question for you, also very easy, even though I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, you, you, you knew that the first question was coming and, and, or so, so maybe you know what the second question is too, because they're usually very easy. Uh, which is more important, justice or mercy? I think justice. Okay. Yeah. Why? Um, I don't know. I was told once. I I really like when things feel fair, and it 
I, yeah, I just, I, I feel unsettled when I, like, I feel really unsettled at the grocery store if I, like, see somebody cut in front of somebody else. Yeah. And someone told me once it's because I'm a Libra. And okay. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, I don't, I don't put a ton of stock in astrology, but I, I, I'm okay. done with it. If that's yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because, like, I feel like in the music scene, like, we can't say that out loud. You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like people take it kind of seriously. And so. Oh, astrology? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people take it seriously now. That's so I'm Libra cool of you with. to say. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of my friends are really into it. I think it, it's very it's very interesting to get little tidbits of information. But you're right. There's there's a lot of that going on right now. Yeah, I think I'm, it's because so much in the world is unsettling right now. Unfortunately, totally true. Totally true. And just kind of like my armchair observer, Mm -hmm. uh, like what I noticed is that like, and not to be like super morbid, but like whenever the pandemic was rolling in, I noticed like for months, like people really stopped doing the astrology stuff. Like I just stopped seeing it posted. And then I feel like once people kind of got used to things, then it started coming back up. And I was like, huh, is this like a, is this something that we do whenever we like, I don't know, like, need some kind of feedback from the world that we feel like we can rely on you know like and so like a horoscope or or, you know or 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 chart might be able to do that but if there's so much stress it's like we just kind of forget about that we're like okay that's not important what's important is what's going on in front of me i don't know if that makes any sense at all no that Uh, makes a lot of sense and i think that fluctuation along with the pandemic it kind of coincides with I just think this really deep human desire to like not to acknowledge that we're like not in control of everything like I don't know I don't even know what I believe but I feel like you know historically people have turned to religion or or belief Mm -hmm. in like whatever higher power when things are just baffling and stuff has been baffling yeah recently do you do you think justice or mercy is more important oh i don't know i don't know um as an aries i don't know uh um, (laughs) that's a very aries thing to say yeah i know yeah um but (laughs) what is what what month is aries um march march yeah i i well it's in parts of march i think parts of april i could be wrong about that um Cool. But I will say that, like, if if I see somebody cutting in the grocery store, I do feel, like, an intense, like, that's not fair, and I'm not going to do anything about it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I do have, like, because I'm a big optimist, I do feel like I admire mercy, and I feel like I wish that I could, like, whenever somebody does me wrong or does me dirty, that I could just be like, you know what? Maybe they were having a bad day you know, and just, and be like that, but I can't always be like that. So I feel like I value mercy a lot. I just don't always have access to it. Totally. Totally. I think, yeah, I've been, I hadn't thought about this as mercy specifically, but I guess I have been thinking about that a lot recently in terms of just, yeah. Or by mercy. Letting things go and I don't know. Okay. I was gonna say maybe mercy would be like, putting this person out of our misery who's cutting in front of us at the grocery line maybe that's mercy you know so maybe i don't know there's maybe multiple sides to this (laughs) yeah 
so this is a philosophy podcast yeah sometimes it is yeah 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 so what do you want to talk about today that's my third question oh man um my mind just went blank can we talk about your music (laughs) sure okay (laughs) um okay so you went I, correct me if I'm wrong about these details. You yeah. went to school at Northwestern? I did, yeah. And you lived in Brooklyn? I did. And you live in Providence? Currently, yes, yeah. So what's so wrong about Connecticut? Um, do you do you feel, are you somebody who likes to travel? Do you, do you feel like outward places calling to you like that? I think I, I do have a little bit of wanderlust. Um, but I, I think... I think I've had this longing to feel a part of a community ever since being a kid. And it's interesting because my experience with Connecticut was that I was part of kind of like a classical music scene growing up, but there wasn't, I didn't really, it wasn't obvious to me at the time, like how I could even be involved with a local songwriting, rock, whatever scene. Right. Um, growing up and I don't even know if there was one because I just it just wasn't apparent to me yeah um, and then when I was in Brooklyn I was always seeking out a music community and there are lots of little music communities there but I never really quite felt at home there and then as soon as I got to Connecticut like at first I was really bummed um I sort of ended up there for reasons out of my control and but once I was there I was just welcomed in and it was for the first time I really felt like I was a part of something that was growing and I think any time I've thought about moving it's been for like in search of community or feeling more connected I mean the reason I moved to Providence was like purely I mean it was it was to be able to live with my partner again it was purely geographical never really thought of myself as like someone who who tries to travel but I guess I guess I kind of am but so 2019 towards the end of that that's whenever you released Good Veins yes Okay, so so you made a connection with Funny Bone Records sometime around that. Okay, so the story with Funny Bone is that I was touring in the fall of 2018. I was living in Brooklyn, and I was just doing... I was in my last year of grad school, and I was about to be... Like, it was about to be impossible for me to do any touring at all because it was just a really stressful time. And so yeah. I did, like, kind of a, like, a last chance jaunt through the northeast and my friend um one of my childhood friends is very good friends with dylan and she connected us because dylan was just starting up funny bone and the warehouse had just had their first show this is the fall 2018 yeah um she just randomly connected us and you know dylan's great and was like totally down to to host a show did that I just felt like so connected immediately with everyone at Funny Bone um and that'll happen just like some place some places that you'll tour it's like 
you've known these people your whole life and then some places they like don't understand your music and like yeah it's just kind of like i don't know if i'll ever come back here but it was <laughs> really strange for me because like i hadn't really been a like connected to any part of that in Hartford when I lived there previously. Um, and then all of a sudden there was this whole community of just like really awesome people doing really cool things. So anyways, that was in 2018. We stayed connected, um, hit it off with Dylan, hit it off with RJ, who was doing, he's, yeah, photographer, local artist, yeah. was like doing visuals that night. And it's just like randomly, we hadn't like pre-organized the visuals, but it was just like randomly a perfect a perfect combination of the loops he had created with like the loops I was playing. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so we kept in touch and then I moved back in 2019 and I had been like, I had spent, I wasn't really proficient in Ableton yet. I had kind of spent the last year trying to put together good veins and then finally got it mixed. Um, everything kind of got pushed back a little bit because um, of like having surgery and stuff and mm -hmm. and then I was set to release good veins and was just talking to independently and I was just talking to Dylan he was like well we could just like do it together and that's that's what happens yeah um, cool. and it was just yeah a bunch of happy accidents right right it's interesting that you talk about how like there are certain places you can just kind of feel the reception in the air I guess mm -hmm. you know like you can kind of feel the energy um, because I, I feel like with Dylan, he's such a, but he seems very genuine and very empathetic and mm -hmm. very quick. 100%. He's, he's such a genuine person, just a beautiful, beautiful person and really supportive. And I, yeah, it's, it's really lovely to find people within, you know, the greater arts community sure. that are like genuinely there for the art and genuinely yeah. there for the process and I think it it's just it lifts everyone up and it it definitely inspired I mean Dylan inspires me to like lift other people up and and you know I'm trying right now in Providence to like really curate shows here and bring people here and um, I want to make like Connecticut and Rhode Island this like <laughs> superpower in the corner yeah. between these like these giants of like New York and yeah. Boston. Totally. Um, I I all I I like try not to make fun of Rhode Island. Like I'll always like take the piss out of New Jersey or Philly or New York or Massachusetts. Not Western Mass, but Eastern Mass. Um, yeah. But I I try not to fuck with Providence, and that's because. The people that I've met from Providence are all like super nice, um, and also like have have seemingly like wanted to have Connecticut artists come over to Providence and play. And like, um, if I can drop a name, like there was like a somebody who ran the radio station, I think at some college in Providence. Her name, their name was uh, Haley Weinstein, and um, they brought over like three Connecticut bands just to play one night at at the university. And I remember thinking like. That's awesome. Like That's awesome. Yeah, can other colleges invite <laughs> Connecticut folks yeah. out? Like um and uh Downtown Boys, uh a band that is from Providence has also been very nice to Connecticut. So, you know, I'm not gonna give you a lot of guff about being in Providence. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. But yeah, people are really, really sweet here. Yeah. Not as yeah. sweet as Connecticut, but a no. close second, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> um so to to fast forward a little bit, um 
you have an EP. It is out by the time that uh, that you're hearing this, um, and that's going to be out on whatever's clever. So, um, what do you? And that EP is called Artifacts. Um, or sorry, is it Artifact or Artifacts? Is it Artifacts. Yeah, with an S. Cool. Great. So, what do you hope that people are noticing about that music? Hmm. It's funny because I just got a review from a blog and as I was reading it I was like this is exactly what I would want somebody to think when they yeah. listen to my music and it that's was, great it was just so heartwarming because I felt like I felt like a past self was like seen you yeah know? I think what I put into that album, um, basically the process behind that was I, I did, I wrote all of it in, I think it was like the second week of the pandemic during the demo day, a demo day project that I did. And that was a really transformative time because it was sort of after this like couple months of just being really frustrated with, um, not really having a handle on how how to produce on my own and how to record and it was a very steep learning curve um and just spending that week forcing myself to finish songs quickly and just Mm -hmm. letting go of the imperfections that was such um just in the process of finishing things i got better very quickly and for this ep i took a few of those songs. One of them I hadn't ended up releasing because I didn't finish. <laughs> but I ended up I ended up going back the following fall, so the fall of 2020, and kind of reapplying stuff that I was thinking about, things that I had learned over the course of the last six months. Cause the like the production journey very much continued on after writing the songs initially. So I was just kind of going back and it really felt like opening up a time capsule because it wasn't that long it wasn't that long ago that I had written them but mm-hmm. it felt like a totally different artist in person and I was I was like really I had this like be in my bonnet of like releasing something yeah. um just finishing it and getting it out there um and so I just sort of took my toolbox of whatever I was working on at the time um, the tools that I had accumulated over the year and um, I sort of applied them to what I had written mm-hmm. and what came out was like what I kind of describe as a collage like it felt very much like there are all these different shiny pieces that were a little idiosyncratic and angular and like didn't really quite make sense together but somehow blended together uniquely and even now I mean it's been a year since 
since we've, I finished mixing it, I, I enlisted um, Zubin Hunsler, who's a really amazing mixing engineer um, in New York, to mix it. But like even a year later, it again just like feels like a totally different musician made it. And I'm finally at this point where I can kind of like look back and be like, wow, there was so much care put into all these little pieces and so many mistakes and so many like beautiful mistakes that are kind of transformed into into this just this record of a very specific time I guess I (laughs) to to take a very long answer and make it short I think um it feels like a very honest like an honest scrapbook of a a time and a place yeah so whenever you said past self you mean like that looking back it you feel like maybe a different musician back then yeah totally totally like if I I mean I'm currently in the process of I mean I made a a, like a new live set for the shows that I'm that I'm playing now and um just kind of reapproaching them now as the musician I am today I'm told I'm interested in totally different things right now and if I were to at this point in time go in and write and arrange cross your mind or write and arrange paravain i would do it so completely differently i would do a different (laughs) bpm i would like arrange i would just like i would just do it totally differently yeah um and i think that's really i think that's really cool i think it's i think it's exciting to to be able to grow and like change styles and yeah and i think i think this whole practice of releasing music is really just a practice in in yeah like loving your like your inner child or something like that just like really respecting where you were Mm -hmm. at a time yeah uh one thing i I noticed you use the phrase uh beautiful mistakes whenever you're talking about some of these things i think in the business we call those happy accidents yes Um. (laughs) (laughs) well or yeah sure (laughs) um the other thing that that kind of uh, was interesting to me that you that or that stuck out that you mentioned was uh, the differences between how this is recorded versus how they are maybe being reflected live. Mm-hmm. Which of those do you feel like is the definitive version of "Cross Your Mind," for example? What you do live or what's going to be on artifacts? I don't think there is a definitive okay. version. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't know if there's a definitive version. I mean, it's all the same melody for sure. But yeah, I mean, like when I so when I say uh, beautiful mistakes, I yeah for sure. I mean happy accidents. But I also mean like literally, like technically speaking, I was doing a poor job recording. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess I just didn't know better. And there's like there are like snaps and crackles, and it's all like it's it's like if you found like yeah if you were like on an archaeological dig and you found an old cracked vase yeah it's like so beautiful it's like deformed but it's like it's old and it's had the pressure of time and it's um there's a beauty in that and like yeah I, I think yeah, I could never, ever make these songs the same way ever again because I know way more than I do now. I mean, my dad is in the background 
of most of the takes just because I was <laughs> recording it in my parents' home and they were there and like I'm, yeah. you know they're um you know like they're they're not I'm not gonna like tell them to shut up and uh and yeah and they're like they're cracks and there's like weird warp things and I just I know so much more now that I would never I would never do that again like I would never that would never be unless I was like intentionally going for that kind of vibe I don't think I I think it would be second nature now to just like not even set up sessions so that that happens Um, I gotcha but there's just but there's like such a beauty in like the homespun demo and Mm um yeah I don't know I think in terms of definitive version yeah recording's such a funny thing because i think i think a lot of maybe i'm wrong about this but a lot of musicians that i've spoken to (laughs) it's like such a practice in letting go of the ego when it when it comes to releasing recorded music because it really is like you don't stop evolving as an artist you don't stop learning you don't start writing i mean maybe you do but i think that's really boring (laughs) and it's it's just a constantly evolving form for every person but Mm -hmm. to have a recording it's truly it's just a moment in time even if it's like super electronically produced it's still there is like a hand moving those pieces around um and yeah, it's just the the concept of recording is is just something I've been like really chewing on now, and and the the live sets I'm sort of like moving towards just because it's something I'm interested in doing way less, way less electronically, but or maybe just more and moving more intentionally with like the electronics that I that I choose and. I what know. do you mean by that? Well, I think I think part of, I think at least part of the process for me in this whole journey with production has been learning to do less and kind of like use less. Like, I think, I think this happens for a few reasons, but I have historically been very like maximalist with, in terms of using as many sounds as I can possibly pack into a tiny space. And I think that has come partially from like wanting to make a really full sound and use the whole um, frequency spectrum, but not really, I mean, I didn't know what a saturator was two years ago. Like I just didn't, I didn't know how to use the tools in order to fill the space with less. So I just grabbed like every possible sound I could until it felt really big and felt really full. And now I'm much more interested in using fewer sounds, but using them really skillfully. And I'm not saying that I've like mastered that by no, any means, yeah. but it's just something I'm like, I'm really keeping in mind or, or trying to be more expressive with my vocal lines or trying to be more expressive with like, like making every piece, every sound more meaningful. Um, with artifacts, it, it was kind of like all about like fitting everything. I mean, the, the process of getting it from demo form to 
mixed form was a process of stripping away as much as possible but still kind of staying true to the original like demo vibe whereas now from from the start i think i'm just trying to be a little bit more more deliberate yeah but that's just the phase that i'm currently in like it might change yeah. next week i don't know <laughs> um that's the uh, <laughs> yeah that's the so thing. So 2021 was your deliberate phase, and then 2022 is your, like, improv phase, where you embrace the spontaneity of of the now or something. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could, I wish I could stay that focused for that long. It's probably, like, this week is the week of being <laughs> deliberate, but, um... Yeah, I think I think also there's like I just get so distracted, but or like I just get really excited about all of the sounds. So I want all of them like I have a really hard time letting go of any of them. So it's kind of like, yeah, right now I'm just I don't know if I'm trying to do improv, but I'm definitely trying to like be feel a little better about like letting go of certain sounds. Like even if a sound is really cool, it doesn't have to like see the light of day. So I, uh, I have, I, I can't remember if I've called you this word before, but I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how you react to it. Yeah. Would you say that you are a perfectionist? Yeah. Okay. Is that a bad word? Um, I think it can, I don't think it's a bad word. I okay. mean, I don't think words are bad. I think it can mean something. I can think of some bad words. <laughs> Let's go. Give him, give him up. Moist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's not a good word. That's yeah. like never a good word. <laughs> yeah. 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 Moist. Slice. Is slice bad? I I think it it can okay. be. It it depends on how long you linger on the on okay. the, the the yeah. I don't know. Um, I got another bad word. Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. So, uh, that was so great. yeah, no, but you're you're talking about perfectionism and about maybe some of the virtues of that. Yeah, I think it. Can, I think, I think I've I've experienced it as me getting in my own way. Do you know the saying? Um, Don't let perfect get in the way of good. Or like okay. don't let perfection get in the way of good enough or something like that. I'm yeah. not the phrase. But I think I think that's that can be very true. Um and I think like I think the demo a day project or even just releasing my demos on Bandcamp, that's been so liberating to me to just kind of like open up the veil so people mm-hmm. can see what like in progress looks like or yeah. that. Um, that's what like I've really enjoyed posting on Patreon because sometimes it's just like a wordless demo and I haven't sure. even started sculpting the sounds or um, yeah it's it's yeah I think I think a lot of musicians probably struggle with with perfection um, yeah so you brought up your Patreon which I, I wanted to talk about um, because each month, uh, so I'm, I'm going to make a pitch to listeners why they should sign up for your Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's like this very easy platform where you can just throw a couple of dollars to a musician or to an artist, and then in return, they provide something to you. And so if you throw a few bucks to uh, to Laura Wolf, uh, Laura Wolf will send you a message with usually like a little demo attached to it, right? 
Um, and those demos, as you mentioned, range in lots of forms and qualities. In terms of like, in like, in terms of like, how how far along they Good are. Good songs and bad songs. <laughs> I wasn't trying to say that, but you know what I, I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, you got me. Uh, you are being like very open and very like transparent about your process, and I thought that this was really interesting because I remember not long after Good Veins came out, um, I was like all on the Laura Wolf hype train, and I remember some of your songs vanished. From streaming platforms okay so explain yourself um I, and i'm not i'm not trying i'm not trying to coerce you into posting those again but i'm just kind of curious yeah. about what's the what's the difference between then and now yeah so hmm. so i guess when when i when i took those down i was still i i think very much at the beginning or what I thought was at the beginning of trying to figure out my sound. And <laughs> I thought with good veins that I had like found it and that from now on it, that was going to be the vibe. And the stuff that I had posted online, it was, I would describe it as kind of like folk or like alternative folk. Okay. Um, it was also the very first songs that I had ever written. And I truly just for me I didn't ever think like anyone would listen to it gotcha. um, which in a way is like really beautiful um, but there was a way in which I approached those songs that I don't think was really a fully thought out expression mm-hmm. um, like it was expressive but I don't think it was like fully formed yet Okay. that being said I think those are some of the best songs I've ever written. Wow, how could you say that after <laughs> after you just so, talked about taking them down? Right. So once <laughs> I so you have to understand, like I I feel like I mean I'm not that old, but I feel like I came to songwriting pretty late. Um, I didn't write my first song until I was or like comparatively pretty late. You know, a lot of people have been writing songs in their bedroom since they were like. 14 um or like we're in their first band in college or whatever yeah yeah i didn't know what like an xlr cable was until 2016 and i think i was already yeah it it was just i had already like walked away from classical music i'd already so i thought i like walked away from music right and so um those songs were just they they were very separate from like anything like fully formed or like fully thought out mm-hmm. um but all that being said kind of what i just talked about with like respecting the artists that made artifacts like i yeah. hadn't really understood that that was like kind of a part of the evolution of every artistic journey is that you have these past selves that like don't really totally make sense um in hindsight so like if it were now i don't think i would have taken those songs down but again uh all that being said <laughs> i do really love those songs and yeah. i've started reworking a lot of them um and I have like I have quite a few projects that I'm excited about, like up the shoot, but those songs will like make their way into the, cool. the public again. So 
Yeah. Okay. But I, and I appreciate that. I just, <laughs> I just like also hadn't figured out my, like how I like to sing yet. Like I was okay. just kind of, yeah, it was go, bridging from classical to, to songwriting is a, is a weird shift. And I hadn't really like, not that I figured it out now, but I feel like much more at home in my voice now. Um, so, or liberated, I guess. So you have a, uh, great, uh, a great, uh, Twitter, uh, account where you're quite funny. And so I don't know how often you're being serious. Uh, I think one time you mentioned that you changed the way you sing for your grandma. And I couldn't tell if you were serious about that or not. And so I'm asking you now. I, did I say that on my Twitter? Or it may I have been on that? Instagram. It may I think it might have been on, I think it was on Patreon. Or maybe I said that on Twitter. Yeah, I visited my grandmother. My grandmother is 98 years old. Wow. Um... And she's a badass, but I went to visit her this June and I played for her. Well, she's, she'll like listen whenever I come out with songs and she like hates them because she can't. Uh. I like went through this phase of tucking my vocals like very far back Mm -hmm. in the mix. Um, She's like a little hard of hearing. So <laughs> I think she, and I also think it's like a generational thing, but um, she vocally did not like that. Um, okay. Yeah, vocally. Like she was vocal about not liking them, but I guess also vocally. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, eager to please, I, I started making songs that were like... <laughs> vocals further forward but it wasn't just that I mean it was I started putting like with this record that I'm mixing right now like the vocals are pretty far forward and I had started doing that a while ago but the stuff that I'm posting on Patreon now Mm -hmm. there was definitely a shift um because she complained about it okay (laughs) that's quite funny (laughs) yeah if I wasn't like actually interested in it I wouldn't do it but yeah no I know I know if if she was like Laura Wolf, you should make punk music. Like, you wouldn't have just been like, okay, I'm going to make punk music now. I mean, I probably would have seen it as a sign. But if that's not, <laughs> no, not everyone can, like, have that effect on me. Like, right. Norma is on another level. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you feel like Artifacts is your, like, formal debut? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I guess so. Is that even an important distinction? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think the only... I think the only importance... Like, the only realm in which those words might be important is, like, press releases. Sure. Okay. Um, which, like, I guess technically, yeah, it feels like my formal debut, but then it's also like someone like on a, in a piece of press like last year mentioned the four EPs that I released was that me 2020 no it was um it was local bops they beat you to it yeah. But I just, like, I hadn't even thought of the demos that I was releasing as EPs, but, like, mm-hmm. I guess they are, um, which is cool. But they're not released everywhere. So I, I guess in terms of 
yeah. formality. I will have to check. <laughs> I, yeah, so I see what you mean. I will have to check my records uh, because... Did you say uh, that? My records? No, did you say that it was that you that said the no, no, I don't think No, I don't think so, but oh. I, I, it would not have surprised me if I feel like I probably have like listed your quarantine demos as like one of the best EPs or albums of the year in that final roundup. You did. All right. So then it's not your formal it's debut. It's not my formal. Your, yeah. yeah no. That was it. That was it. Yeah. All right. You're right. <laughs> You're totally right. <laughs> I will say though, that like in the really scary days of the early pandemic, you doing that, and this might sound cheesy or like I'm making this up, but like I was so excited to see those because everybody's scared nobody knows what's happening everything's being canceled and shutting down and so to occasionally have like oh like laura wolf has posted a new song like let's check it out like that was like legitimately like something that i looked forward to and was like like made my day like in those like you know those scary times so thank you for doing that that means the world to me seriously like that's yeah i i like as always don't expect anyone to listen to like <laughs> um so that and especially to those so that was like yeah that was such a huge motivation to feel like you and funny bone and yeah i just i felt like people were were looking for hope I was looking for hope in like the yeah. smallest places and and to have been considered one of those small places is like such <laughs> yeah such an honor of you releasing like these demos you do have uh what you call the 2021 demos uh you have those up and you also say i want to get the words right here all right so on on this you have mimi number two proud and metal on the vine and you say that this is quote more from a bigger thing that was also released on april fool's day so i don't know <laughs> uh what to make of all of this so are those songs actually part of a bigger thing? And what is that bigger thing? Or did I get pranked? Um, you did not get pranked. That's really funny. I <laughs> did not. I never put that together. Um, I So, like, just to go back to an earlier part of our conversation, I'm usually trolling on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, no, I was not. I was not trolling there. Okay. Um, that was genuine. Um, yeah, it's part of the longest piece of work of mine to date, um, which will hopefully be out <laughs> at some point. The crazy thing is that this all takes so much time, and it always takes much longer than you think it will. Mm-hmm. Um, well, especially for you, like you do everything i mean like you sometimes will bring in people to collaborate and you'll bring in people Mm. to either mix and master but like Mm. this is top from top to bottom stuff that you are doing like totally yeah and most people usually have either a group of four people that they're working with like in a band 
or they're putting out like lo-fi Alex G stuff, you know, that like is just an acoustic and a four track, which let's be honest, like you can whip a whole album out in a day if you're doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing is different because you're working in Ableton, you got a cello, you're, you're, you're putting all this through your rig. Um, so you're saying it's going to take longer than I expect. So it's not coming out next week. It's not coming out next week, but maybe okay. the week after that. Um, okay. Just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't, I don't want to, like, yeah. Yeah, no, I got it you. Takes I got me, you. Take it back. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, so when I say, I mean, it's, I'm mixing it right now. So I'm getting okay. it mixed right now. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the not being sure when it will be out is completely, you know, apart from getting the music together, like, mm -hmm. another goal going forward is I really, really want to be very intentional about the artwork okay. and the artists that I'm collaborating with just kind of releasing it right mm -hmm. um but also you know when it comes to like when you start working with labels or um start trying to like really focus in on on securing press or like a release tour around it because right. i mean who knows what the world's gonna look like when whenever this thing comes out but um to really do it right it like takes a long time and it also right. takes some collaboration and you know once you put other people's schedules into the mix then it takes a long time it's gotcha. just funny because like i've been talking to a lot of my friends recently about like their albums that are coming out and and it's like the the elephant in the room is always like this is gonna take like six months longer yeah and also now like vinyl is right. so backed up which is crazy right. um so there's just like so many factors and it's kind of, it is kind of wild. And, and one of the reasons why I really love Bandcamp and I love, um, I'm not really a SoundCloud person, but like, I, I love the, the idea of SoundCloud. It's, yeah. it's just like, there isn't really any of this like official business. It's just like putting your stuff out there. Um, and yeah, it, it's something, I think it's something to always keep coming back to, um, to really, like, get to the heart of, like, why anyone is making art to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's, like, not to have, like, an official release. It's not to, like, have press. It's not to, um, whatever, like, things you're supposed to do mm -hmm. nowadays with music releases, um. You kind of have to do everything. I feel like if you're going to be independent, you, you have to you have to do PR on your own. You have to like manage your social media on your own. You have to yeah. Yeah, you have to do all this all this nonsense on your own, which yeah. is yeah. Like Buddy yeah. Holly, Buddy Holly didn't have to do his own PR, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's also like you don't have to do any of that. Like, sure, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like you have to like walk this line between like yeah, of course you want like as many people to hear this thing that you worked really hard on, um, but also like if I guess like I want to have fun while I'm releasing stuff because as of right now, like my least favorite part of making music is releasing music. Cause really. It's, 
Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. (laughs) Like, I love every part of creating it, recording it, arranging it. I mean, I, like, it's just the best thing ever. Um, It, and then, and then you get to releasing it, and it's like, there's just a lot of logistics and, and like, Mm -hmm. thinking about, metrics and and things like that and it it just like I really I think part of the reason why I say like it it takes so much longer than you think it will because if you did it like really as quickly as possible I I don't think that'd be very fun like I think um and I have done it where I've just like done it really quickly and it it feels like rushed and dishonest in a way um so yeah anyway that's a lot of me rambling, but <laughs> there will be something, hopefully, if I, maybe I will just throw it up on Bandcamp. Okay. No, I, I don't okay. think, I, I don't think I'm going to do that, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully sometime in, in, um, in 2022. Yeah. Gotcha. But there's, there's lots of stuff, lots of things on the horizon. So. Very cool. Yeah. Do you have a beef with all of Tiger, the other cello based indie group in Connecticut? That would be amazing if there were some like <laughs> crazy rivalry between the the two. Are they are wolves even wolves are not feline, are they? No, no, they're uh, they're canine. They're canine, yeah. Yeah. That it'd still be cool if there was a beef. No. I, no, but that's that's what makes it the beef is that there was one big dog and one big cat. One big dog and one big cat, yeah. I mean there needs to be a show is is yes. what yes I, i've been thinking this for a long time i'm i, I admire olive tiger a great deal and uh <laughs> um yeah no but that would be that would be like really epic if there if there was like a rivalry yeah okay yeah okay i will get back to them and see how they feel about the rivalry and if, if yeah. the feelings are mutual and we can like do like a fake we can have a showdown you know. Yeah, that would be that would be so good. In the woods somewhere. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, there is another Laura Wolf from Ellicott City in Maryland. She is an elementary school art teacher, and she makes very colorful, vivid paintings of animals. And there is another Laura Wolf that is a lawyer that moved from New York to Colorado uh, after she was done with her clerkship. Yeah. Which Laura Wolf would you like to switch lives with for a week? Okay, does it have to be these two Laura Wolves? If there's a third one, if you're I mean, thinking no, about... I mean, no shade okay. on these two Laura Wolves. Yeah. They sound like really lovely people. Are you thinking about the British one? Okay, so... <laughs> there are two other... I mean, there are probably more. Um, but the the two Laura Wolf musicians... Laura Wolves. F- wolves. wolves. The, the, yeah. the pack that I feel the most akin to... Um, I don't know anything about the social structure of wolves. I'm just gonna, I like, I really okay. wanted to throw in some more, some more wolf, uh, wolf puns there, but I just, there's nothing. Um, so there's a Laura Wolf who was very active in the like British pop punk scene of like the early aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, has a MySpace page and everything. She has, yeah, you know about her. Yeah, so she's she's very active. Seems like she's very popular. Um, her song kick, no, not song kick, um, Last FM 
We our our pages have crossed many times. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other Laura Wolf that I I just feel really blessed every time my like I think we shared a page on Tidal for a while, but she's I mean, I don't think she's still seven years old, but at the <laughs> time of her um glory, she was seven years old and had released um a record called I'm gonna butcher the German but it was like Mein Kata Willi which is okay. my cat Willy um, and it was just like my artist page because our artist page we were like conjoined name twins at this point yeah. um, it was just a picture of this like little blonde girl with a stuffed cat um, that is adorable yeah it's pretty great I mean there, I can't really ask for more than that um, <laughs> But you said there's a lawyer in Colorado. Mm-hmm. That yep. seems good. That seems like stable. Okay. So yeah. you wouldn't want to teach elementary school art. I I mean, it sounds like fun. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm not qualified. Somehow I feel more qualified okay. to be a lawyer in Colorado than like Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, I'm really, I'm just more qualified to be a seven-year-old German girl is, is really what it comes down to. One time when I saw you live, um, you introduced yourself to the audience by saying something along the lines of, once I get going, I'm not really able to talk, so I'll see you on the other side, or something like that. And then you, you kind of started up your set. Uh, do you do that so that you can avoid stage banter because it's awkward? That's why you have no pauses in your songs? Yes. <laughs> I can't tell no, if you're being serious. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm serious and I'm also not serious, but I am serious. Um, I like, I started doing that very, very early on because with the loop pedal, you kind of just can like mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't have to be like playing to like keep things kind of going. Um, and I just don't think I'm much of a talker and I always felt really awkward talking in between songs like I, yeah. I've never figured out what you're supposed to say and I like I figure people are not there to see me talk mm-hmm. so I just don't talk okay. but the more I did it the more I was like this is this feels very like in line with what I want to create which yeah. is just the, kind the of not like, talking part yeah or just like mm-hmm. the the continuous mm-hmm. like the continuous music thing um yeah mistake me if i'm wrong but i feel like in and i haven't been to one of these shows but i feel like you've also kind of merged there's been times where you've merged maybe like yoga with your with your live show like did you play for like a yoga audience at one point or something like that oh yeah 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 yeah. i've done that a few times and i really love doing it um yeah i've played a few like restorative yoga classes i did one at warehouse with um the friends that connected dylan yeah and me um because she's a yoga teacher Uh, gotcha yeah Yeah. i really want to do more of that it's really it's like much more ambient music and it's it's really just like improv Mm -hmm. on my part but it's like there's something very it's nice to be able to like slow down and that be your purpose to just be like the background holding 
space. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, so I should have asked you this earlier, but you're mentioning the classical music scene growing up, which, mm-hmm. you know, in my head had like a bunch of like kind of funny visuals of like basically like indie kids, but with like the kind of like classical wigs, you know, like I'm trying to imagine what a Mozart looked like outside of Crunch House or whatever. Wait, like um, the, like the, f- the bleach, like the flower bleached wigs? Yeah. Of- yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot um, <laughs> so so but based on those context clues it sounds like you picked up cello first yes right yeah. um is that like your best was that your first instrument yeah 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 so yeah. when did you what made you decide to kind of like move from that to working with loops in ableton because like that's super hard right like and it's not some it's not like a marriage that i think a lot of people would naturally jump to yeah. so like where did that happen for you um so I, yeah, so I, like, I went to Northwestern, and, mm-hmm. you know Andrew Bird? Yeah. Yeah, so he's... Great whistler. Like, amazing whistler. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Andrew Bird is, like, he's a violinist, and he's he's incredible. He, he kind of, he was the first person I ever became aware of doing loops, but he, he's a violinist, he whistles, and he sings. Um, and, and he I, wrote the greatest song of all time, which is Pulaski at Night. Yeah, I mean, I love it. <laughs> and, like, it's just that every... I, I just... I fell in love with his music in high school. He was kind of... I didn't really have, like, a very... I, I know I talked to a lot of people who are like I started you know like really differentiating my taste in high school and that wasn't really my case like I was listening to a lot of I was listening to a lot of classical music but I was also like I was listening to a lot of like older folk things like Cat Stevens or like Joan Baez um, but I wasn't really like seeking out role models like I guess but but Andrew Bird was the one exception a friend showed me him and I was I was like obsessed immediately um because violin and like here he is writing writing his own music and he had gone to Northwestern and he played Chicago a fair amount so I I like would go to shows whenever he was in town and I was really inspired by that and I was like someday I'll loop I guess and I graduated and I was just like totally, I was really not charmed by the classical worlds and I was kind of unhappy with like the direction that classical music was going and I, I quite honestly like kind of walked away from it. I moved to New York because like a lot of people were moving there and um, and I just totally walked away from it. I was like working in admin at a few places, worked at a bar and it was just kind of like music was something I, I did like a few small ensembles, but, and I like, I think I'm just drawn to musicians and artists. So I was still going to shows and stuff and occasionally like playing with bands. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they were like, oh, it'd be cool to have a cello. But I wasn't like, I wasn't really like involved, but I did get a loop pedal Um, and it sat on my shelf for like two years because I was terrified of using it. And there were also like, you know, I went to a classical conservatory, but they like don't teach you anything about recording or amplification because there's just, I mean, they should, but there's just none of that. And 
yeah, I had this loop pedal and I just like, I think I tried to use it once. I tried to plug it into computer speakers because I like didn't know about, I just didn't know. And I like kind of like shyly asked a friend of mine who'd like been making, you know, music in his bedroom forever. And he kind of like chuckled and was like, oh, you have to like have an amp. And I was super embarrassed. So I just like didn't touch it again. And then, yeah. And then I like had some emergency surgeries and was like it was kind of this before like the last round of them and it was just kind of this big like traumatic life event I guess and I was just sort of like this is something you've always wanted to try yeah um and I was quite honestly just like too scared to try writing with other people because I was embarrassed and Mm -hmm. looping seemed like the easiest way to get around to the other people factor (laughs) so I just like started looping and then um and then a year later I started playing shows and I totally fell in love with it and felt really empowered um and then I didn't I didn't get Ableton I was really stubborn about learning how to record and produce and what do you mean by that I just had, I mean, for one, I had a huge mental block against it. I felt like I was too old to learn it. Um, I had tried, you know, I'm like 25 at this point, 26. And I had like, every once in a while, I would like try to figure out GarageBand or I would like try to figure, I got like the the trial for Pro Tools and I, um, I noodled around with, uh, with what's the other logic and I just hated it. It was just like, so I just thought it was boring. I thought I just like, didn't get it. It's, you know, there's a lot when you're first starting. Um, and it just felt very, uh, it just felt like it was insurmountable. Like I mm-hmm. just, I didn't think I could ever figure it out. So I was just like very fixated on trying to get as much, like um as much out of my loop pedal as possible yeah um but I kind of kept hitting up against limits and uh (laughs) actually the the straw that sort of broke the camel's back is that I had been telling myself for about like six months in 2018 that I need to just like suck it up and like get Ableton because everyone I talk to about this says you need to get Ableton I feel like your mind would like really get it mm-hmm. and my computer got stolen oh no at a show and I had already been like think I'd already been like preparing to get a new computer so it sucked because I like didn't back up for like a few months and I lost oh, a lot God. of things but it was actually a good thing in the end because I was for whatever reason I was like okay I'm just I'm gonna get like fresh start fresh start I'm gonna get Ableton and so I yeah that's what happened and I immediately it was I don't know something about Ableton like the way it's set up I it just it clicked and like I fell in love with it and I was just like this is this is what I've been missing. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> I've never heard anybody describe learning Ableton as like it just clicked. Most really? Like, yeah. I, just, most people that I talk to are like, oh, it's so hard. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I felt that way about every other dot. And then for whatever reason, 
I mean, I I get that. Like my my boyfriend, I like I I recently converted him to Ableton from years of being in Logic, and <laughs> I felt pretty proud of him. He's like, yeah, you're right, it's better. <laughs> but no, but like I think I think it's just maybe like brains are wired differently. Because like now that I understand how I I mean I've I feel like I have a pretty good handle of like a. I'm not like an expert, but I feel like pretty confident with my production abilities now. And, and like, I've worked in Pro Tools since then, and it's like pretty easy. Okay. So I think it's just like I needed people to yeah. first. But anyways, that's the that's how I got from classical to interesting. So it Jameson. sounds a lot of like like you being kind of like a purely solo act comes a lot out of these confines where you're you're figuring it out yourself and you wanted to do it on your own um now that you uh have learned these things and are doing these things do you can you ever see yourself writing with somebody else yeah 100 percent. okay and i'm like very eager to now um i think i think that's really spot on and something (laughs) like unfortunately like took therapy for me to like figure out but you're totally spot on and um, I think I, I felt like I wasn't able to communicate in the ways that I wanted to without the knowledge of production that I have now, but, um, yeah, I've been, like, I've run some sessions recently, and I'm able to, like, really effectively communicate and just, like, actually, uh, exercise, like, what I want in the computer instead of, like, mm-hmm. having to describe it to someone and feeling right. like I'm not, like like I'm falling short or something. Um, yeah, it felt like I was just not fluent in the language I needed to be collaborative in the way that I wanted to be collaborative. Cause it's one thing to like go to a session with your cello and like, um, you know, play on somebody's track. But when I, when I like hear things in my head and I, this was the frustration that I was having when I was first starting writing. It was like I was hearing sounds in my head and I didn't know how to explain them and I didn't even know how to execute them. Totally. So now being able to be like, oh, I understand how to get this sound. I understand exactly how to do it. I'm just going to do it right now and then you can hear it. Like that's just right. been, that's kind of been um, the reason why I haven't been very collaborative is honestly, yeah, just like social anxiety in a yeah. weird way, like not being able to really effectively communicate like what it is that I, like I'm hearing so clearly in my head. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally seeking out collaborations now and I have, I have a few that I'm, that I'm working with right now and it's, it's really exciting. It's like, yeah, it's just the the learning kind of never stops. And the fun thing is that when other people are involved, the learning speeds up because you get to see, like, how other people function and how other people execute what they want. And um, So are yeah. you going to announce uh, working with Noah Silvestri? No, was that actually? I don't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell if that I, I, I didn't know if that was actually like a person you were working with, but I know that a lot of people tend to work with Noah Silvestri. Oh, him, really? So, yeah, yeah, no, so I, I didn't know that. One. I mean, I would. I was. There's so many people. And, yeah, there's so many people from the Connecticut scene that I would. Yeah, I'll take that out. Just <laughs> the funny thing about, um, yeah, the funny thing about Noah, he came up this morning in another conversation I had with someone 
I was talking to someone who was like, oh, I like I used to live in this apartment in New Haven. He lives in New York now. And I like I ordered a package, but I sent it mistakenly to my old address. And I got in touch with the landlord and he like got me in touch with the new tenant to like try to arrange how to like get this package back. And it turns he's talking to the guy and he's like, wait, I think, you know, my friend Laura Wolf and it was Noah. Wow. So just like the small world. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's a sign. Maybe yeah, maybe it's, a, I don't know. Maybe I should, yeah, I should text <laughs> Noah after this. We'll, we'll check our charts yeah. and find out. What is the weirdest question you've ever gotten at a gig? Because you have an unconventional setup, and I'm sure you've gotten a lot of weird ones. Oh, my God. Um, hmm. Is that your guitar? Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> it was, I get a lot of, like, is that a bass? Or, like, is that a viola? Is that a viola? Yeah. Um, which I always say yes. I mean, I always, I do always like get asked if I like write my own beats. I I did think about asking that as my first question just to, just to disorient you. That would have you. been really fun. I would have, I would have been okay with it. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, but I also like don't want to discourage anyone from talking. Okay. Because I okay. like, I'm also, yeah. it's just, it's just kind of funny because one, I don't, like yeah i like i'm psyched about my my beats but i don't know that it's like i don't know i i just it's <laughs> obviously it's just like people are looking for something to say so sure, it's like it's sure. flattering either way um gotcha. but i'm trying to i'm like looking at my setup for cues if i <laughs> i get a lot i get asked a lot like how i sync up everything um well, the thing is, like, when, when they see you play, like, they can kind of see all that in action, right? Because yeah. you're, like, you're, you're, you're hitting triggers to, yeah. to start those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever, like, gotten asked anything super strange. I, <laughs> I wish I had a better answer. It, it does seem like it's kind of fodder for, like, really funny stories. But, sure. But it's not really... So, I have a pop quiz for you. Okay. And this can be how oh, we end no. the episode. Because my new thing now is that I like to uh, spring pop quizzes on people at the end of the episode. Uh, that All right. So, <laughs> this is so stupid. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, my pop quiz. Famous people with woof in their name. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I'm going to give you a hint. And uh, okay. these, are qu- these are quotes from people. And you tell me who these people are. Or who these characters are. Are you ready? Oh, no. Wait, 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 wait. Is wolf spelled like the animal? It can be. Okay, but it's not always. It's it's the, it's the, it sounds like wolf. Right. right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. There are six of these. If you get more than half of them right, then uh, I will give you a $10 gift certificate to the CT Versus merch store, which uh, will be launching in 2025. Really? Uh, oh, no. 2025. <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, okay, right. cool. So, first quote. I'll oh, huff gosh. and I'll puff and I'll blow the house down. The big bad wolf. All right, you got the first one. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, second one, this one's kind of harder. Uh, he says, it isn't a wolf, dot, dot, dot. It's a werewolf. This is from 1941. Looking for the character. Or the movie. It isn't a wolf. It's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. It's from 1941. Mm-hmm. 
Is it your grandfather? Is it a werewolf? It's not Teen Wolf. You're on the right track, though. Okay. It's a wolf. Uh, is there like a... No, is it like a little... No, no, no. Little Red Riding Hood, it was an actual wolf. Right. Oh, I should have put that in there. Yeah, but you should have. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Hmm. I think... I don't know. I Oh, gosh. I got to guess something. So, 1941, classic movie. Classic. For oh, Halloween gosh. times. I'm so bad. I'm so bad with movies. Um... All right, I'm sorry, your time is up. It Wizard is of Oz, man. I don't know. The Wolf no, Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't even know what that is, but that should have been easy. Okay, yeah, cool. It was, it was, yeah, it was like the first movie with a werewolf in it. Wolf Great. Um, okay, so I think this one might be a little bit easier. Uh, so the quote is, An astonishing number of kisses are flying about. I see a whole crowd of them. Ha ha, I have just caught three. They are delicious. I kiss you millions of times. This is from a musician in 1790. <laughs> Oh, oh, um, Hugo Wolf. No, that's such a that's that's such a good. He was guess. in the nineteenth century. Okay. So seventeen ninety, this famous. Person he was a said musician. This. Wait, what? What did you just say? Oh, he said this in nineteen seventy. He was oh. telling it to somebody. Wait, nineteen seventy or seventeen? Seventeen ninety. My bad. If I said it. Yeah. Okay, seventeen. And it's not like a wolf gang. It might be a wolf gang. Oh my god, is it is it Mozart? It is Mozart. Yeah. Okay. Wolfie. <laughs> yeah. Uh all right, next one. Um so this is from a a television person, somebody you would know from television. Uh they said, "You have to be precise. You have to be specific, but you want to be accurate. That is the first and foremost. You want to be on top of the story, but words do matter." Oh my gosh. Okay, it's a journalist. Mm-hmm. With Wolf in the name. Right. Is it Wolf Blitzer? It is Wolf Blitzer, yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. I was going to... The hint was going to be uh, which journalist uh, famously got in trouble for flirting with Mariah Carey on air, uh, but I thought that would be kind of weird. So. <laughs> I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, it was Wolf Blitzer. That's amazing. I mean, that's awful, but that's amazing. <laughs> All right, so these next two are both TV related one of them i i don't know i don't know these might be easy they might be hard depends on what kind of things you watch all right uh so this next one says when it went on the air the sales department hated it it was the highest advertising pullout show in the history of nbc at the early focus groups people were saying who are these people why should we why should we watch them so i will say this is a television show creator and he has created some shows that if you haven't seen them, definitely your family members have. Wait, can you, is, sorry, can you repeat yeah. it from the beginning? Yes, it is, it is also, one of his shows was prime quarantine watching for people. Yeah. He said, when it went on the air, the sales department hated it. It was the highest advertising pullout show in the history of NBC. At the early focus group, oh, go ahead. Do you it's got law, it? It's Law and Order. It is. But I have to, oh my God. At, yeah, so at the end of every episode. Dick Wolf! There you go, you got it. Yes! Got it. <laughs> and that, I that love means. I love Order so much. Uh, so you've only gotten one of these wrong, so you're, you're, you're doing amazing. So uh, last one then. All right. This person, also in television, also currently working, they said, 
Millie came in, and obviously she's so nice. I'm Canadian, and she's English, and those are like two combinations of nice people, which is immediately a good chemistry. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I know that they're talking about Stranger Things. How'd you know? Because Millie. Yeah. Millie Bobby Brown. (laughs) That's right, yeah. She's, like, so sure of herself as a 13-year-old, which is great. I don't know anything about it. These kids these days, they're just... Yeah. They're just... They're talking with Drake. They're getting into all kind of hijinks. Talking with Drake. Yeah, Drake. Uh, So, hmm. I don't... Oh, gosh. I don't know who this is. Okay. People say that he looks like Sean Henry from Connecticut Music fame. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you're right. It is is something of Stranger Things that has Wolf in the name. Oh, 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 oh. His name is Wolfhard. Yeah. Um, But I don't know his... That's okay. We we operate by Jeopardy rules, and in oh. Jeopardy, if you get the last name, that's all that matters. His name's Finn Wolfhard. So you got that Finn right. Finn Wolfhard, right? Yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah, you aced that. Okay. Awesome. Sick. Nice. So I the love, only one. I love yeah. the quizzes. <laughs> the only homework you have then is uh, the 1941, The Wolfman, uh, which is only like an hour long. It's in black and white. It's it speeds. Maybe by. I'll watch it tonight. And I feel very movie deprived, so I'm like not. I'm not uh, surprised that I didn't get that are you a big movie buff i am a big movie buff um i think i am or i I don't know i feel like it's one of those things like if you say that you are then you're not and it's like the people who don't say they are they are if that makes sense i'm definitely not though like okay yeah but i but i feel you yeah i like understand (laughs) what you're saying but i'm like absolutely not a movie (laughs) yeah like probably for the same reason if somebody said like hey laura are you also a musician like you would be like uh, yeah, you know, but it would feel weird to just say, like, yes, yes, I am, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you get that, too. I get that. I feel, no, I feel, I'm a musician. Okay, so, but so I'm you not don't have... Mo- no, I don't have okay. this. So you don't have the same imposter syndrome that I have, is, is what I'm saying. I guess so. Is that imposter syndrome? I don't know. I think it can be. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? Who or, are or you? you I can't tell you that. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I've talked to you at a show. I've, really? I've, yeah, I've asked you a question. It wasn't a bad question. Did you ask me? <laughs> <laughs> what? You didn't ask me who made who makes my music. No, 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 no. Um, I, in fact, I probably just said something like, six set. And, and you're like, probably like, oh, thank you. Or something like that. You were, you were very nice. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, so the first time I saw you was, you played with Mickey Blur at Max 650. That was the first time I saw you. Yes. Yeah, that was a super cold Who night. Who was that? That was with, was that with Fran? That was a great show. No, that was with Fran. That was, yeah, that, that was, was a great show. That was a great show. show. They are yeah. all wonderful people. Fran Everyone rules. at that show. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which includes you. Everyone at that show is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, where can we find you online? Um, I have, I have an Instagram. Well, I guess I should start with most... I'm going to put all this in the show notes, so oh. you don't have to tell me the links. If you just tell me Instagram, boom, it's in the show notes. Yeah, well, most places it's slash or at Laura Wolf Music, um, and I, I try to keep that consistent mm-hmm. throughout all the 
the platforms. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> kind of it. And to find you on Patreon and to... Oh, yeah. That's also yeah. Laura with Music. Yeah. So I have a Patreon. I have an Instagram. I have Facebook. I don't have a TikTok. And yeah. to make sure to oh, buy artifacts on Bandcamp. Buy, right. Buy artifacts on Bandcamp. Because you get a secret bonus track. You get a secret bonus track. And we're not revealing what that is. We're, we're not just... revealing what that Good. is. Good. Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening to me ramble. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Laura Wolf for taking time out of her day to talk with us. You can find her music at all the usual places, wherever you normally get your music, on the streaming services and all that. But be sure to specifically check her out on Bandcamp because that's where you're going to find the, um, I'm going to call it the deluxe edition of Artifacts. And that comes with a song that is not included on the streaming services too. Uh, be sure to follow Laura on social media. You can find uh, some of her uh, social media links in the show notes of this podcast so that you can stay up to date with her live shows and her uh, upcoming music. Uh, and if you're a true fan, uh, you can join her over on Patreon as well, where you can kind of get some behind-the-scenes looks at her creative process and some early demos. It's really, uh, really cool um, to to get those updates uh, once a month. And if you need anything from me in the meantime, I'm going to be trying to start a rivalry between Laura Wolf and Olive Tiger. So we're going to play this. We're going to play this episode out with the 2019 single "Good Veins." a song we mentioned earlier in this episode. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's not a good word. That's like not yeah. a good word. <laughs>